Welcome to the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. Mormon Mompreneur is a home for women of faith who desire to be strengthened in motherhood and empowered in business. We thrive off of talking with other women with unique experiences and vision who have felt guided by the divine to bring about remarkable things at home and abroad. Welcome to the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. It's another fabulous day with a fellow wonderful mom and business guru and easygoing wonder woman. So I'm excited. I get to sit today with Andrea Williams. You may know her better as the brain behind Tubby Todd. Tubby Todd is all about good, clean, fun for the whole family. They make bath products that are made from 100% natural ingredients that are simple and safe. And Andrea and her husband created Tubby Todd with sensitive skinned babies in mind. And each product works hard to nourish, hydrate, and gently soothe skin from head to toe. Tubby Todd bath products are powerful and impressively effective, but are gentle enough for even the tiniest newborns. So with that said, Andrea here, since she is the creator of Tubby Todd, she is also impressive and powerful and wonderful to be around. So I am excited to have you here, Andrea. Thank you for joining us. I thought you were going to say she's also laying in her bed in her pajamas right now because that's the reality of the situation. Also, I have a huge bag of chocolate next to me. This morning, I ate steak and chocolate for breakfast. Steak and chocolate? No. That is so gross, guys. But there's a lot going on. Okay, this just I shouldn't have. Yeah, there we go. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. You're wonderful. It, and I will I will attest she is in her pajamas, but she's one of those people that yeah. can wear an oversized gray sweater and oh, make it look good. Totally pull off the jammy look for <laughs> sure. For sure. And if you don't know who Andrea is, jump over to her Instagram because there's pictures of her there and her sweet family and all those great things. So, Andrea what in the world, okay? You have created this incredible Tubby Todd bath product, all those things, but let's get down to something that's really critical. Like the whole bath products and even natural products is a pretty intense market. It's not like you're the only one out there and yet Tubby Todd is supporting your family full blown now. Like how in the world did this happen in such a competitive market? So on our first date, Brian and I actually talked about how he, Brian is my husband, how he thought it'd be so cool um, to run a company when he grew up and he really respected, you know, couples that could do that together. And that's something that my parents have always done. And so when he said that, I'm like Mormon girl, like, oh my gosh, we're going to get married. I was going to say, that's kind of intense for first date material, right? It wasn't like oh, yeah, we should do this together. We were just talking about, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Oh, I always want to have my own company. I think it'd be cool to like work with my spouse or have a family company. I'm like, actually, that's something my parents have always done. And then when we got married, we tried doing multiple different companies that like literally, it was like brick wall over and over again, where they just didn't come to like we did headphones, we tried to manufacture tents, backpacks, clothing, um, the Willy Wonka washing company, a window washing company that we were going to yes. make it with. And then, 
um, eventually we ended up starting and running a daily deal marketing company. So I worked from home when we had our first child doing marketing for small companies. And then I also helped run this company. It was really small where we did daily deal marketing for other people. And Brian worked in manufacturing and eventually he came home one day. We were both super frustrated. Like frustrated would be an understatement because we felt like we had all of this energy and we could just kept running into brick walls. And he was like, you know what? We're going to start a bath company and we're going to call it Tubby Todd. And I literally still remember where we were at the time when he said that. And this wasn't like the first time that we've had an idea like that. (laughs) This was one of many ideas, right? So I think people are always looking for that aha moment while whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're just trying to figure out what to do with your family. Like, so we've wanted in the past few years, we've always thought, should we move back to Utah? Should we live here? You know, we have a lot of family in Utah. We have a lot of family in California where we live. And I'm always the type that's like, if I say it out loud, if we make this plan, are we going to have that like, God's going to come and be like, yes, this is where you're supposed to go. I won't say that that's what happened when Brian came home and said, let's do Tubby Todd. But I will say that I was open to the idea just because we both felt so open to whatever we felt prompted or excited about doing. And so that's what we started. That was kind of our new product that we latched onto and we started investigating. And with his background in manufacturing, it made it slightly easier to look into formulating and look into ingredients. But there was also a huge barrier for entry, which is just, um, it's hard to formulate a product. <laughs> I'll just say that. Right? I'm sure. Well, and let me just dive in really quick to something you just said, because you talked about that you've hit something that you were really excited about. And it seemed like, you know, we've talked about 100 different products, but this is the one that gets you excited. You've also talked about how with many of these other products, headphones, you mentioned um, tents, all those things that you hit roadblocks. Like at what point is it a roadblock instead of just business growing pains? How did you recognize those? Yeah, I think that in every situation, um, and this is where it's really cool to be able to talk to people about business who have similar or exactly the same religious understanding. I think that you need to be guided by the spirit. And in our family, it always comes back to what is best for our family, um, our professional lives, um, our relationships with our kids, how many kids we have, and what is going to make it so that we all are creating an environment so we can be the closest to the Savior, right? And so when we were working on headphones, for instance, and hitting roadblocks, and it was causing friction and tension, and it didn't feel um, like it was a uplifting experience. Now, starting a business and Tubby Todd has not always been uplifting. Like most days have been actually pretty difficult. Um, But overall, um, it felt like the right thing for our family at the right time. And at those other times of our marriage and our life, um, the entrepreneurial goals just didn't fit with our eternal goals. And as corny as that sounds, it felt more important to work on our day jobs or develop ourselves um, as parents or, you know, put more time into growing our family, um, whether that's emotionally or physically. So um, 
I think that's where you really have to look at the the greater good because um, starting a business is always going to require extra work, especially um, if you have a family that you're trying to balance at the same time. The way we did it is Brian went and worked full time and I stayed home with the kids and started the business and we would collaborate on it at nights and on the weekends. Um, the way some other families do it is um, maybe the husband is a full time provider and then he comes home at night and he starts business at night while the wife is picking up all the extra slack um, with the kids and with the housework. Um, I mean, I, I think it it really depends on what your skills are as a husband-wife team and what you really feel prompted to do. That's That brings up a really great point that I think many of our listeners are going to want to know about from you because I think if if you go to tubbytod.com and you check out your Instagram and you see your gorgeous products that you have worked so hard for there is no lie that so much work has gone into that you said that there are many days at Tubby Todd in fact most days are hard and challenging what is it what's hard about it it because it looks pretty glorious I must say well, what's hard I mean Going back to the fact that I ate chocolate and steak for breakfast and I'm in my pajamas right now, you can tell that I live a pretty glamorous life. No, I feel like, um, I mean, kids, it's like the grind, right? Like having small kids, it's all about the grind. Like you are, yeah, there's no rest. Getting people to watch your children is impossible. Nobody wants to watch your kids. I mean, grandparents kind of want to, but then a lot of times they have situations where they aren't able to. And um, are you laughing? I'm dying. Yeah, it's <laughs> the truth, right? Nobody wants to take care of your I'm kids. Not here. even you most of the time, right? My, my neighbor's got my kids right now, and I'm like, oh, maybe she doesn't want my kids. Yeah, no, she acted like she wanted them, but she doesn't really want them, Sorry, No, <laughs> no, I'm being serious. But it, once you take on the responsibility of being a parent, especially a parent of multi- multiples, it is nonstop. And that is the reality of owning a business, too. And I think... I often say this, and I'm going to say it again. The difference between our generation of women and entrepreneurs is that we, and I. this is why I consider us the luckiest generation in the world, is we have the opportunity to have creative, emotional, and physical outlets that other women never had. You think about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, even 10 years ago, women had to make the choice between staying home with their children full-time or working full-time. There were very few part-time or flex-time work opportunities. And there wasn't really a thing, there wasn't such a thing as starting a business while your husband was at work and you were home with your kids, right? Now, the challenge with that, because with any amazing, beautiful opportunity comes like amazing, beautiful challenges, right? And that is trying to balance it all and not just being completely overwhelmed by it. And that work-life balance is, I I literally have to leave my phone in the other room when I'm with my kids. I cannot have my phone within like a five-foot radius of me because I know that I will get a phone call that is not only like about work and usually something I could ignore. It used to be something I could ignore. Now it's like, no, I actually probably should be attending to this phone call because it's a financial liability, right? And I just have to make the decision when I'm with my kids that those financial liabilities aren't worth it and that everything will work out, right? But that's that's a lot of pressure. And then I got an Apple Watch 
because my husband could never get a hold of me because I was leaving my phone in the other room, but then everyone else can get a hold of you too. It's just like so it's so confusing, right? So I leave my Apple Watch in the other room, right? So I think that's a challenge to find that balance. Um, I can't remember what the question was. Do you want to ask me what uh, did I answer your question? Yes, just just how what is hard about um, yeah, running Teddy it, Todd? It's just nonstop. It is nonstop. Like I post on Instagram every single day, multiple times a day. We send out an email once a week, right? To all of our subscribers. We post on Facebook, then we're pinning. And I, I mean, I have a team of awesome employees who help me do that. But yeah, I'm posting the day I have my third baby. I'm posting on Christmas Day. I'm posting, you know, I don't post on Sunday. Um, and I have asked my team to not post on those days as well, just because I feel like all of us need a break. Like I feel like it's a whole nother appreciation I've received of the Sabbath and that like online shopping, we can be online 24 hours a day. Like is online shopping breaking the Sabbath? Like I'm not gonna Amazon Prime shame anyone for like buying on the Sabbath, right? But from a business perspective, I've said to my team, like, we're working seven days a week, all of us, because most of them have children as well. And most of them are stay at home moms. I'm like, um, you can work on Sunday if you want to, but I'm not going to be expecting and except on launch days, like where we're prepping for a Monday launch. I'm not going to be expecting you to be working on Sunday on a majority of the Sundays because we're working Saturdays, we're working 10 o'clock at nights, we're working six in the morning, we're, you know, it's crazy. It's a, it's a so it's a whole nother grind on top of the kid grind. That's the challenge of having your own small business, I think. I think a lot of our listeners are just scooping this up because that's that's where they're sitting. And many of them that are in the beginning stages of their businesses are sitting here feeling like they have to take every phone call and they have to work every evening and the minute every kid is asleep, they are on the computer yeah. and texting and, and doing all those things. Have you, I mean, don't, I don't want to take this for granted. I'm sure you've been there where every waking moment is creating yeah. this. But right I'm now there. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sitting here and you said this is your day off and that's the ideal um, for so yeah. many of these. How have you gotten there? So this is my day off and I'm on a work call and I was on a work call before this. So I'm doing a really good job on my day off. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, I really think it's all about balance and what makes you happy. And here's what I'm hoping with work-life balance. I'm hoping that if I read my scriptures every day and I say my prayers a few times a day, God's not going to, and I keep all those major commandments, try to go to the temple that I'm not ever going to be really too far off, you know, because I'll be 100% honest, that is my number one fear in life, that like I'm messing something up, right? That's all of our fear. Are we messing our kids up? Are we, if we're working, are we working too much? Um, if we're not working, a lot of times you, I think at this point for women who aren't working, a lot of times they might think I'm doing the right thing, but in their heart of hearts, it's kind of hard to not be working because so many other women are. And I look at women who aren't working and I'm like, no, just don't ever work. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> just relax. Take care of your kids. Like, do volunteer work if you can. Um, but it wasn't like I financially had to work. Um, it 
felt like the right thing for our family. And so that's where I think the challenge lies in having a relationship with God and trusting in his plan and his schedule for you. And that goes from like his overall eternal plan to like the day to day, like how do I schedule my time? How much time am I working? How much time am I with my kids? How much time am I neighbor swapping, babysitting? Uh, How much time am I volunteering in the classroom? You know, all of those things, right? To also the eternal, like bigger picture things. How many kids am I having? Am I a quote unquote working mom? Um, So there's the challenge of balancing the daily, the eternal, the bigger perspective things. And then also there's the challenge of just not judging one another about it and being able to be like, yeah, I, and this is really hard for me. Like, and I'll say it openly. It's hard for me to talk about being a working mom because I don't feel like I don't want to have to defend myself and be like, well, I, God told me I should do this. You know, I, I should just be able to be confident and say, I'm a working mom, even though I didn't anticipate to be doing that, but I'm also an active member of the church and I have a relationship with God. I don't even need to follow it up with this, but in my heart, I should feel I have a relationship with God. And so I don't need to worry about what other people might think about that, you know? And so, yeah, I think there's a lot, I think it's a, that's a loaded, how we manage our time is loaded because although it's the day-to-day grind that's exhausting, it's also leads back to eternal principles and really just like that desire that all of us have to just do what we're supposed to be doing and do the best that we're supposed to be doing and hoping that we're pleasing God and, you know, we want to make sure we're pleasing others, although that's not important. We all do, you know? Right. And everything that you're saying brings me back to a talk years ago. I mean, I don't even dare guess when it was by Elder Uchtdorf when he talked about everyone's natural desire to create in some way. And there's been a Mormon, like a Mormon, what do they call it? Mormon message made about it. And I think when we, whether we talk about quote unquote, like you said, working moms or moms that are raising kids full time, that every woman, and I'm sure every man in some way, has a desire to create. And you Mm -hmm. have found your own way to create and impact and all those things. And I love that you just encourage that you've got to have that relationship with God, because that's the only way to have true peace and true motivation and know that you're doing right thing at the right time. So I think what you're saying rings totally, totally true. Yeah. So let me just shift gears for just a minute. We had a a fellow listener find out that we were interviewing you and she is a big fan of what you do and wanted to ask you um, a question. Her name is Megan and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. It's it's uh, lengthy, but let me get just right to the point for what she wants to know. She said she basically says, um, dear Andrea, I am a huge fan of Tubby Todd, and I see that you are regularly collaborating with other big names across social media. Mm -hmm. And she alludes to the fact that she feels like that is responsible for a lot of your growth and impact. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. She said, here I am sitting at less than 100 followers across my social media platform. I've only been in business for just over 60 days, and I'm wanting to make a splash. How do I get up the courage to collaborate with big names, and why would they want to collaborate with me in the first place? What is your advice? Okay. 
Thanks, Megan. Um, <laughs> no, really, thank you. That's so sweet for noticing. Um, let me just, a word on influencers, because I feel like this is a crowd that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book, and it's going to be called A Word on Influencers, because I love influencers. I'm just going to say influencers are get a bad rap and I think a lot of times people have like the comparison problem of like oh their lives are perfect I'm like their lives are supposed to look perfect they're advertising for products that is the point of their business I consider them baller businesswomen I respect them and our business has been built on influencers and again these are women who have decided that they want a creative outlet. They are taking awesome pictures of their kids, which is so cool because they're documenting their kids' lives. And again, if the balance gets out of control, that's not for us to answer to. That's for them to answer with God. We don't need to worry about that. You know, like so cool that influencers are able to help brands grow. And if you can work with influencers well, your brand will grow. The first thing is having a product that influencers actually want to use. So our product was something that we worked we worked on the formula for over a year and a half before we sold our first product. It cost a lot of money, a lot of time. We were very poor. It was very depressing. And so thinking that you're just going to create a product overnight that influencers are going to freak out about unless you've been dedicating I'm not saying you have to work a year and a half but maybe you've worked in fashion your whole life and then all of a sudden you're super excited to make kids clothes or you've just loved sewing your whole life and all of a sudden now you're able to sew beautiful blankets or things like that um if your product is of value and of worth it it doesn't have to be perfect it just needs to be of value influencers will get excited about it then you will have to gift it to them for free and I send and always have thousands of dollars of product a month to influencers so I've never taken out any business loans we have never done that as a company but we have always sent product to influencers and I'll tell you how I do it I look for influencers who don't have tons of followers because still we don't have a budget to pay influencers $15,000 for posts now eventually I hope to be able to do that because I do feel like those influencers who have half a million 600,000 followers deserve to be paid for their time because they have a full-time job and they can impact and if you find the right match I do feel like they're worth it so I'm not going to sit here and say they're not worth being paid but I just haven't been able to afford that um can you tell I have strong feelings about influencers I'm loving it all the time keep it coming I love you influencers you guys are awesome just joking um so but I'm not so Sarah's really nice because she lost everything I say. I'm just soaking it in I'm like this girl's been there you've been on both sides of it so I'm not I've been there I'm there I'm freaking I'm emailing these influencers every single day and I'm trying I always tell my team too, I'm like, we need to thank these women. Like when they talk about us, thank them because they just called us out. And I consider an influencer anyone with over a thousand followers. Typically that is someone who has taken their social media more than personal, right? And whether or not they think that they're an influencer, they are because their reach is um, maybe more than just a typical social circle, right? Right. We have a unique product because bath soap, could be $13 and so I can send them something 
relatively cheap. So we have a scale that my team works with where we say, okay, if they have this many followers, this is about what we send them. If they have this many followers, this is about what we send them. I never ask influencers to post about our product because if you ask them to post about it, that's a financial obligation that they should be able to charge you for. I just say, hey, we love you. We think that you are awesome. You are the type of person we want to represent our I don't even say we, you are the type of person we want to represent our brand because, again, that sounds – that's putting pressure on them. My sister, Allison, um, have you heard of her? The yes. Show? Every time anyone meets me, your sister is the Allison Show? I'm like, I know. She is that big of a deal. I get it. Like, I know. I'm her little sister. I've always thought of her as that big of a deal. She, I remember when she first started kind of blowing up on Instagram, I'd go over to her house and there'd be like 15 packages on her doorstep, 15 packages, like every day. Like that is so overwhelming. And she is literally the sweetest person ever and would like cry and be like, I need to talk about every single one of these people. And I'm like, no, don't put that on them that they're not paying her. That's not her responsibility. What's our responsibility as brands is to get it in their hands and make it easy for them to talk about us. So here we go. You email the influencer. You say, hey, I love your family. They're so cute. Can I send you some product? That's all you say. If you say anything more than that, they're getting 20 emails a day. They're not going to read it. So don't write your story. They don't care. Just write a little message and then say, Where's your, what's your address? Then they send you back their address if they actually want it, and then you send it to them. And then in a week or two, follow up and just say, hey, I wanted to see if you got the product. Did you like it? That's all you need to do. If you ask them to post about it, then they're going to ask you for money, which they should. Um, And a lot of times they will post about it, and a lot of times they won't. If they do post about it, I would write down their name. And remember, if you have a product like that's seasonal or clothing that you come out with new stuff, remember that there's someone who likes your product. And those are going to be the type of people that you'll want to continue to send stuff to, right? We have a spreadsheet with every single influencer we've ever worked with, what they've said, what they've done. Um, we've just set up a CRM and we've plugged that in. We can, I consider our influencers as valuable as our customers, as our retail relationships. Uh, I think this, let me just, I'm sorry to cut you off. That's a bad no. interviewer right there. But as no. these ideas come up, I'm That's like, off, Sarah, all day. I've got to ask you. So I think this is so important for most of our Mormon mompreneurs are beginning businesswomen. And it's yeah. important that they know that this exists. I think many of them are going, 15 packages a day? What? And they're also blown away that it's possible to not go into debt or not be paying influencers as long as you have a valuable product. And again, I want to fortify what you said. You should be paying people. They are worth their time. They are worth, you know, everything that they've built, but that there is a way for them to grow with simply a valuable product. True? Yeah, I 100% would agree with everything you say. And I would also say, don't be blown away by the numbers. Like a lot of times um, we'll send our stuff to someone who has, you know, 200,000 followers and she'll post about us. But the people that get the, we get the biggest response from are the people who have three or 4,000 followers and use our product and it fulfills a need in their family. And they post a sincere um, post like, hey, my kid had eczema and our, this bath soap helped. Um, 
boom, that we will see so many more followers, so many more sales, and so much more return from that. Another thing to remember, again, my book, what what, what was my book about influencers <laughs> going to be called again? Oh, shoot. We'll have to go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, a word, it's going to be called A Word About Influencers. Another thing to remember is companies, like big companies, Nike, Johnson & Johnson, they know influencers too, right? They can pay them. Their marketing budget is more than my house costs. Like they can pay them whatever they want. So why on earth are you going to be trying to compete for those same influencers, right? Those girls and men, they, they're going to make big budget from the big, big companies. And that's awesome. They deserve that. They deserve to work together. They are going to do campaigns. You don't even want to go after those people. So don't even get wrapped up in that. You think about who are the people in your market? Mormon mompreneurs, women-owned e-commerce business, we're killing it. We are giving those big companies a run for our money because we're using everyday moms and getting them to do everyday feedback. Like This is stuff that actually works for our families. We are the consumers who are creating the products and responding to the needs of the people. Like It is so cool. And so get into that business model. Don't be worried about the big time that's not our space yet it will be when we're all rolling but not right now right like I'm not there we don't pay influencers still and we have investors like we're not there yet it's it's a that's a hard to get to you know and I think that's so wise to just be so thank you for being so honest and just saying well don't this get is where we are Sarah <laughs> you're killing it you're killing it love it so I've always struggled with passion. I have a hard time getting passionate about things. Can you tell? We can all we can all tell. No, this is you're so approachable. It's so good. So t give me some numbers. Give me some numbers. Let's and I have no idea what your numbers are. So let's say you send out 40 emails a day. Mm -hmm. How many of them are keepers? Give some Respond numbers for a more response to influencer emails. Mm hmm. I think if you hit the right influencers, if you hit the right market of people, and that took a while for us to figure out who that was. And again, we have a great product for influencer gifting, you know? So somebody who makes like, like Solly Baby is my best friend, L, Rolly from Solly Baby. Yeah. They make a wrap, but the wrap is, that's a limited time that you can use the wrap. Now, the cool thing about the wrap is, when somebody takes a picture in the wrap, like I have more pictures of me in Elle's wrap than I do of my kids in the bath, right? right. Because like who wants to take a, pic a picture of their kid in the bath? They're naked. The lighting is bad in your bathroom. It's like the worst Instagram model ever. Why didn't I think about that before we started our company? I should have done something that was a <laughs> photographable item. <laughs> I, I got to say, my bathroom's my favorite place to photograph because we have a huge Seriously? window. Oh my gosh, I'm going to move into your house. We have the nastiest bathrooms. I'm like, can I please get a house with nice bathrooms? <laughs> Anyways, so um, we're working on it. But but Elle, she's got, she's got to find who her market is, right? Her market is new moms because you're going to wear the baby in the wrap. Maybe I still wear my huge fat baby in a wrap, but like he's 11 months. But most moms aren't going to wear the baby in the wrap past six, seven, eight, nine months, you know? So you got to find when to give that, that mom. Um, and her product is $65 again. So if you can learn 
what if you do some, you know, actually think about it and then make a spreadsheet. And I think 40 emails, I think if you're hitting the right market with the right amount of followers, which is usually not that many, um, I think you're going to hear back from like 35 of them. Also, I don't respond to emails. Usually if people don't email me twice just because I forget to respond to emails, I wouldn't respond. I wouldn't email them more than three times because I think that's annoying. But I usually, if somebody doesn't respond, then I go back and in a week I'm like, hey, just making sure you saw this. That's brilliant. Now, do you ever have people ask you for a product? People approach you all the time. time. And I love working with them. I get direct messages all the time. And I tell my team, I'm like, it's always a little off-putting when someone wants product, right? Right. And some people can be a little greedy. But I'm like, they are coming to us and asking to work with us. Why on earth are we not excited about this? Because I think at first you're kind of like, like, why are you being needy asking me for free stuff? But then again, if they have over a thousand followers and sometimes if they have 500 followers and they take rad pictures and I'm like, yeah, you look like a really fun person. I, you are the type of person I want to use my product. Now, social media is all built about on if you're selling your product through social media, which is a free platform to sell your product, another amazing thing no other generations have had, right? Then you need good pictures. Good pictures cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. So then you also have to weigh into the uh, account. You have to weigh into this, you know, whole factor that why is it so hard for me to say? You have to weigh into anyways, into this equation, that's the word, that when someone takes a picture for you, although it might have cost you $20 to send them something, if they take two or three pictures and send them to you or one picture, even that only costs you $20 for that picture. Now, if you had a professional photographer come take pictures, that might have been five, six, seven hundred $700, right? right? So instead, you're getting pictures in places across the world with your product for free. So it's not that you're just giving them free stuff. They're taking pictures for you. So when someone comes to you and they're like, hey, I want free stuff, we look at their stuff and um, I'm like, hey, oh, that looks awesome. Like, again, 500 followers, but it's really, really beautiful pictures. That's great. Or 1,000 followers, yeah, let's send them a bottle of soap. That's great. Ah, so great. And I love, I mean, this is tangible stuff that our listeners can do like they can turn off the podcast don't turn it off yet but they can turn it off and nope, they can we're say we're not done we're not done, we're not done. Don't, don't turn it off yet but they can go with it and I really oh. I mean I'm even seeing a little bit of a shift in how I handle my own business that way I'm like oh hmm. Sarah you're gonna you're great you don't need any shifting <laughs> shifting is good so so I gotta say can I shift gears once again I love shifting yeah okay how do you I I feel like as women of faith, I mean, this is the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. We're putting it out there. How do you decide whether to put I'm a Mormon on your Instagram or on your website? Like, how do you balance that kind of an influence where you are someone, you're optimistic, you carry light, you're working hard, you want to raise your kids, all those things. But sometimes I feel there are challenges in how vocal or how obvious we are about our faith um, across our business. What's your thought? So I think everyone just has to do what feels comfortable for them. 
what feels comfortable for me. So before, um, while we were starting Tubby Todd, I wrote a book for Return Sister Missionaries. It's called Tell Me About It, Sister. So it's in Deseret, and it was published by Cedar Fort. And I, at first, I self-published it just because nobody wanted it. Really, I'm over it. Nobody wanted it, but then later they did. When I talk, okay, so tell me about it, sister, is I email, I interviewed all these return sister missionaries about their transition home from a mission because I found my transition home really challenging and I like kind of freaked out, not freaked out, but I was just like, wow, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be, you know, and I felt like I needed a support group. And so I'm like, wow, maybe some other women feel the same way. So I interviewed some women. And I had actually over 200, I sent out a survey to 70 women and 200 women responded and they sent tips and, and their experiences of coming home. And it was so beautiful. And that's how the book was born. I was like, oh my gosh, now I have to compile these. And so I compiled them into a book. So then it has like my own commentary and also the commentary of these 200 amazing return sister missionaries. And I find that so much of what I talked about in that book is applicable to my audience. It's just like meditating and taking care of ourselves physically after having a baby and getting back in shape and taking time for yourself and making sure you're taking care of yourself and nurturing yourself before you even ever try to nurture anyone else, right? All of those things are things I touch about in our Return Sister Missionary book and literally have been things that I've copy pasted directly from my book onto our blog and maybe taken out the word scripture study and put in the word meditate so it doesn't turn someone off and then put in afterwards the way I meditate is study my scriptures and pray how do you guys meditate you know and gospel principles are universal and so exciting to be a mom and oh I there is not one mom who has not wanted to get on her knees and ask for help or one mom who has not looked at her baby and felt like divine love and guidance. And whether it's from another universe or, you know, um, from a being that they recognize as deity, that is not what we call God or Jesus. There is not one mom who has felt like lonely to the point of like wanting to kill herself, you know, and for a moment, maybe not suicidal, but for a moment being like, I feel so lonely. I'm in my house with these three small children and I would do anything to get out of this situation, right? You know, like there's not one mom who hasn't had all of those thoughts. And I think pulling on universal truths of family and birth and nature, all of those things that we deal with as a mom, um, it's so cool. And I've, I have found that religion is easier than ever to talk about, right? And so I think that's really exciting. Again, I think that if we're reading our scriptures, praying, going to the temple, we'll know exactly how to talk about it. Or that's what I'm relying on. Hopefully, I'm not messing it all up. <laughs> the great fear, right? I'm messing it all up. <laughs> Do I sound like I have a lot of fear? Maybe I need to work on Maybe I should You are inspiring. Okay. No, I'm like, I, I feel like this is therapy, Sarah. And I'm like going to make a list of the things that I should probably go see an actual therapist about at the end of it. That's going to be the new name of the Mormon therapy. There More than therapy, things you actually probably need to go to therapy for, right? <laughs> so from this podcast, we have a book and a therapy podcast. So we're going to come out. Fabulous. So this is how you collaborate, right? This yeah. is how you do it. Right. Well, two things you said that I, I kind of want to end this podcast with that I hope our listeners took home. And the first is that gospel principles are universal and that it that to share the gospel 
is not as hard as we think it is, um, because you were saying that sharing the gospel now is easier than it's ever been. And so I hope that our listeners can take from your example, and I would encourage them to look at your blog and look at your your Instagram, not in a, oh, she needs more followers way, but in a, here is an example of not only great business sense and collaboration, but also can you see the themes of gospel principles in how you're posting? So I hope everybody can take that away as, as well as many other, you know, things we need to take the therapy, right? <laughs> Um, Can I say one more thing that I thought about earlier that I didn't say? Please. Sorry. Are you mad? Do not apologize. Um, So I think a a turning point for me that I didn't mention at the beginning that I later was like, oh, I, I feel really strongly that I should have said was at one point, you know, we had Tubby Todd and it was all ready to go. Like it was all ready to go and my husband was working and the formula was ready and we were ready to launch and I kept saying I don't want to be a working mom so he's got to do this I'm not going to do this and it was actually Elle a Solly baby who said to me I think you need to stop worrying about what he needs to do and more about what you need to do and she said it in a really in a way that was so kind and nice that as soon as I got in my mind that this life is not about what our spouse needs to do or about what someone else needs to do or a business partner or our parents, but more about what we're called to do. Um, there was no stopping Tubby Todd and there was no stopping our family, right? And um, I that moment was, other than the moment that Brian came home and said, we're going to start a natural bath company and we're, it's going to be called Tubby Todd. That's the other moment that I always look back on and think like, wow, like, I'm so thankful that she was there to say that. And whenever I feel so overwhelmed, and so just kind of frustrated with whether it's work or kids or marriage or whatever, I stop and think, I need to stop worrying about what everyone else needs to be doing and more about what is it I need to be doing, you know, I always feel, yeah, I always feel an answer. And so that would be the thing I'd leave. Oh, and look, here's a little three-year-old. Okay. That is marvelous. When we welcome that three-year-old, that is real life yeah, right there. Yeah, he just came on, came on in. That is great. Well, Andrea, I want to leave with that. I couldn't say it any more powerfully or uh, any more influentially. Is that the word we're using today? <laughs> that is great, yeah. But I appreciate your testimony. I appreciate your business sense and your willingness to, to reach out and share your your wisdom with uh, many of our listeners. So thank you again so much for joining us. And if you want to get to know Andrea more and reach out to her, you've got to go to tubbytodd.com, check out her blog and her wonderful products. But more, more than anything, watch how she intertwines her business and faith and how she is an influencer for good. So thank you again so much, Andrea, for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for joining us on the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. Check out our other episodes and learn from other women of faith, motherhood, and business as they share their unique stories and experiences. Go to www.mormonmompreneur.com or the iTunes store to learn more.
Thank you for joining us on the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. Check out our other episodes and learn from other women of faith, motherhood, and business as they share their unique stories and experiences. Go to www.mormonmompreneur.com or the iTunes store to learn more.